Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Carlin Shaw is a breath of fresh air, leaving a trail of smiles wherever she goes. In fact, she says, whoever smiles first wins. Carlin was in a horrendous bike accident a few years back, lost her two front teeth. It's been quite a long road, but she's found strength through the tragedy and made it her life's work to help others find their smile again, including having a little powwow with my daughter, Celia, who has some upcoming teeth work. Carlin, welcome. Like, I don't consider myself a teeth expert at all, but a lot of people want to know. And, and I'm like, I had never, I didn't know what to do. Like when this happened, I didn't even have a dentist. It was crazy. You want to talk about what hurts is. Let's talk about that. Yeah. When the whole face, my face was bashed in. I mean, I had scabs and everything. So in order to, when you're scabbing your face, kind of like it gets hard and dry. But in order to get to my teeth, we had to go and stretch. Oh, that was actually like more painful than the teeth, <laughs> the teeth stuff. And so all I have left, I'm very fortunate because I had a big gash here and I, it was really, it was like, what do you call it? Like road rash, road rash. Thank you. But it's a white scab, but I was actually a nanny back in 2014 for a little, for a nine-year-old. And I would just, we hung out once a week. Like I really love kids. Like I'm going to borrow, I borrow other people's children. And one day she looked at me and she was like, did you know you have a heart above your lip? And I just looked at her because it was, it was a new scar, you know? And I was like, oh my gosh, I never embraced it that way. And it gave me, now I'm like, oh, I just have like a heart above my lip. And a lot of people pay money to have a filler in their lip. Like how my lips are like this. It used to be a thin line, but I have scar tissue. So it made the lip thicker. I'm like, oh, I got a free like lip injection. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. That's such a good way of looking at it. Oh my yeah, God. It and it's, it's kind of crazy. And it's really amazing. So I wrote that blog about how I lost my teeth, not with any intention on it serving. I wrote it to really make my friends and family feel better with, and it just expressed my story. Like it just came over me one day to... I finally was seeing all the silver linings to what I was going through and I wanted to express it. And part of the story is I was reading the book, The Gift of Imperfection by Brene Brown when I had the accident, which was like a total and a, a girlfriend, one of my best friends who was living in London at the time was like, I just read this book and I have to send it to you. You're going to love it. And so she mailed it to me from London and I got it two weeks before my accident. Like there are no accidents, you know? So I wrote that and I tweeted it to her because I didn't know how you would like connect with people. And she retweeted it. She was like, brave piece. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could die right now. Like Renee Brown shared my blog, but it helped it to get more traction with people. And it's been wild to me that over the years, like just yesterday at the bottom of the blog, I ask a lot of questions. Like, what are your two front teeth? Like, what are you, where do you have shame and what can you release and what can you embrace? And this guy took all my questions and like wrote the question, wrote an answer, wrote the question, wrote an answer and emailed it to me yesterday. 
And I'm just like, Oh my God, I just got chills from that. Yeah. It's amazing. The impact that this, and I'm, and just like three weeks ago, a guy from Ghana, Africa, friended me, reached out to me on Facebook and messaged me. He lost his teeth three months ago. And my story gave him confidence in himself. And I'm like, really? Like, and it's a really unique topic. There's not people out there that talk about what you experience when there's something is out of control. And and some people reach out to me, they were born with a gum disease or they, they were born with something they've had to accept. Some people have been in fights and had their teeth knocked out. Some people have gotten drunk and they had an accident. So there's their shame around that. Like every, there so many, I've, I had a one girl that was almost raped and lost her teeth. Like I've had some really powerful people in their stories. And then you associate very often that trauma or what that experience is in your new normal that you have to embrace every day, looking out into the world. And that was my story because in all fairness, that blog post, I'm actually starting to write a book on my story because it's not the whole truth. Ooh, what have you discovered? So if you go back to that blog, I read it today. If you read the second paragraph, there's one line where I swept a lot under the rug. Tell me the line. I said, there was a lot going on the months before prior to deciding to get on my bike and go to a football game. That was me sweeping under the rug, a lot of trauma and living as not listening to my intuition and things happening to me that by the time I got on that bike, I was actually probably the most broken internally than I had been in months. And there was no other way for me to respond to my accident other than the way I did or else. Like when I said, I just surrendered. And I looked up, that's because I couldn't take it anymore. If I were to tell the whole story, the whole story involves that boyfriend of mine. He's not a bad guy, great guy. We oftentimes get in relationships with great people, but guess what? Doesn't mean they're great for us. But as a people pleaser, you end up staying in a relationship because you're scared to speak your truth. Or uh, my story was I got into a relationship with a guy who courted me and pursued me. And so I was like, this must be love. I've never had it like this. Even though I was getting all these intuitive signs of, I don't think he's the right one. And I'm not feeling what he's feeling, but I'm going to keep sticking this out. And then you add in, you know, the sex and the chemistry and you're like, but this is really good. And so you start, I mean, if I'm just, we're just call a spade a spade. This is really good. So why would I leave this? Right. So my accident was October 13th and he and I started dating in March. And then I was really unhappy at my job and I manifested, I called in my job to let me go. And that's a whole story in itself. And they, they let me go. I had a trip to Mexico planned to visit a friend who was moving there. And they were so kind. They let me go right before my trip to Mexico. So I got paid back all my time off. I had this perfect, I wasn't running away from anything. Now I could just go to Mexico. So I go to Mexico. My friend's like, well, you don't have to go back to work. Like, why don't you just stay a few weeks? And I was like, oh my God, I want to stay a few weeks. And my boyfriend was like, but I love you. Come back. And it became this thing. And I was like, you're probably right. I shouldn't change my trip. I should just come back. So denying myself and right there, I come back. And two days later, we're to go to a concert 
And my intuition said, don't go, but how do you say no to a concert at Red Rocks? I was living in Denver, Colorado. So so beautiful. Yeah. It's like one of my favorite places on earth, but I was getting a nudge not to go, but I didn't know why. And I didn't know how to express it. And back then, like you said, I I do a lot of running. Like I was a a full-blown runner. We go to the concert within 20 minutes of being there. He throws me a Frisbee and I break my foot. No. Just got out of my job. I was finally free. There's a sign. (laughs) Oh, it gets worse. I just got out of my job. I was finally free. He throws a Frisbee. I break my foot. It's the beginning of summer. And the one thing I need is my foot because I'm a runner. And now the codependency starts because now my foot's broken and I don't have a job and I'm a hot mess and blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't stop us from being physical together. Just means I can't be on my foot. And so a month later, I found out I needed to have surgery. I go in for surgery. And at this point, I'm even more convinced that he's not right for me. But now I can't leave him because we're like intertwined in this drama with my foot and I don't have a job and blah, blah, blah. I was a recruiter. I was at the time. A little backstory was his wife, his wife had taken her life and her name was Carla. And there was exactly, this is why I have to write the whole story. Yeah. You have a book here for sure. This is crazy. And so, and all he wanted was to have kids, but he never got the opportunity. Wow. So when I go in and I'm, I go in to get my foot surgery, I find out while laying on the pre-op table that I'm pregnant. No. And I'm 35 years old and I know I'm not with the right person. Oh my and my God. whole life flashes before my eyes and everybody knows I'm going in for surgery. I've got friends lined up to bring me soup and they refuse to do the surgery because I'm in my first trimester. They refuse. And first trimester, meaning I was only three weeks pregnant, so they couldn't do anything. I had no choice, but just to leave the hospital thinking I was going in for a tonsillitis and leaving with like double lung transplant. And it was just like so shocking. And I was, I felt nothing but fear and I had to share it with him. And it was the most, it was probably one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And they said, you have nothing but time to think about this. Go think about this. Go figure it out. Congratulations. I'm like, I have no job. My, I came here to get my foot fixed. I have a broken foot and now I'm pregnant. And this was all in a matter of like two months. And so long story short, through agony, I literally ended up having a nervous breakdown and calling my mom and needing her to come to Colorado because I knew what I needed to do, but I couldn't do it, especially because of what I was dragging him through. And so I called my mom and I told her the scenario. Eventually she hopped on a flight the next day and she came and by the grace of God. And I know this is controversial to some people, but I chose for myself what I needed at that time. And I have no regrets. I woke up in the recovery. I paid to be put under, so I wouldn't remember it. And I woke up in the recovery room with another woman, my age, and she had three kids and found herself pregnant again with her husband. And they were like, we can't have another. I'd never thought of that scenario. Interesting. It was like this crazy the universe going, you you're like, it was this weird mirror of, I was expecting like, that's not what I was expecting. So you would think at this point I would have left the relationship. How, I want to know what he did you, t- well, I mean, you told him, right? Oh, he was a part of the entire thing. So you would have thought he would have left the relationship. You would have thought somewhere this codependency would dissolve to a degree of like, I got to go heal. You got to go heal. But this was the beginning of a powerful journey. And there was nothing abusive about this. It was like, um, this is why people don't leave things like you get caught up in. And I, I think there's a lot of people that can relate to this. 
So now I have a broken foot still. I don't have a job and I have an abortion. And three weeks and six days later, I get on my bike. When they rushed me into the hospital, I had to look at her and go, my blood work is going to say I'm pregnant. Because your hormones and everything still adjusting, right? I'm not, just so you know. Wow. It's still broken, I think, but it might have calcified. It was like, it got to the, actually, I actually never got surgery on my foot and still went on to run the Boston and New York. I mean, I never ended up having the surgery. Like I actually healed, my foot actually healed myself. Wow. Just by staying off of it. And most doctors don't give you the option of your option is stay off of it for three months and allow it to heal itself. Or we're going to put a screw in it. They just say we have to put a screw in it, which I'm so glad I never had done because a lot that affects things in your body. So anyways, when I got thrown off that bike and I knew I didn't even want to get on that bike, really, I was, we were just existing together. We were trying so hard to be happy and fun. We were like, let's go have a Sunday fun day. And within the, like my blog post says within minutes I'm on the pavement and that's when I looked up and said I surrender so when people reach out to me one-on-one and I talk to them about my story I always tell them the whole story because I don't want them to compare themselves to me from a space of you lose your teeth and you're super positive but the reality is I still had the choice of how I was going to respond to losing my teeth I still could have spiraled out I could have been like I mean, just even given what I just shared with you, like I could have really gone a different direction, but instead I wrote how I stared at myself in the mirror and like the tears came from nowhere. I had been so numb the months prior. I wasn't crying. I'd numbed. And I say that my teeth losing them broke me open. And I finally looked in the mirror and I was like, I am so sorry. Like I did this, not believing in myself and not honoring myself. And I had a lot of self-forgiveness to do because I put my needs on hold for months. And I, here I was like, I was like, okay, self, this was a big smack upside the face from the universe. It didn't have to get this bad. So I, when I work with people as a coach and I help people very often, I go, don't wait to lose your two front teeth because something will happen to wake you up if you're not listening it's without fail. Something's going to happen. Not like you're going to lose your teeth, but something will happen. Like you'll lose something, you'll break something, whatever, whatever, whatever. So my way of healing was I got to have fun with this. What else am I going to do? And I've always been known for my smile. And I've had my original version of this shirt. I got in 2012, long before I lost my teeth. And so I've always been known to smile. And I was like, okay, you can break my foot. You can do all these things to me, but you cannot take my smile. This is where I draw the line. And that's how I started just living without my two front teeth. And I didn't always wear the flipper because I saw it as a science experiment to see how people would respond to me. Yeah. Talk about how people respond to you and some, some more of the friends that you've made. I always say our stories connect us all, right? So if I share my story, it invites other people to share theirs. So it was a shock value because this isn't the face you expect to smile and not have teeth. But when they saw me with it, a lot of actually in Colorado, there's more probably bike accidents than most places because there's mountain bikers, there's road bikers. So a big common question I would get was, is it road or mountain? And I would say, it was neighborhood. I didn't have a big story. Like the bike just locked up on me. So with some people, 
it created like this cool, like I was in a club, like, yeah, they earned their teeth loss. And I'm like, I'm not in that club, but glad I have street cred, you know? And then with others, I could just see them, especially when I had like the, the bruises and the stuff on my face, I didn't want to hide, but people looked at me. Some people, you know, obviously looked at me, not like in disgust, but like staring at me, you know, like curious, like it's the train wreck you want to look at. Like you're trying to decide how this happened to somebody. And it just made me realize like, you can never, they would have no way of knowing what happened to me. Like my story behind this, there's absolutely no way for anybody to know. And it was just this reminder of, we all have a story within us and we all have a story behind our smile. Like whether it's, you know, we've overcome something and it we're, like that day we're smiling, like you have no idea what's making that individual smile or if that's a fake smile even, like you just don't even know the smile. And so when I wore the shirt without my teeth, it would really bring people in to want to engage me. Like, who is this freak? And what is she doing without her teeth? But when I wrote that blog and Renee Brown retweeted it, it, a gal in Denver reached out to me who had lost her teeth in a softball accident 18 years prior. And she'd never taken her teeth out. She had like her abridged, but she'd been too shamed to ever share in public. So I was like, well, today's your lucky day. Uh, I think we need to meet for taco Tuesday and you have to take your teeth out. And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, come on, if I can, you can. And so that's how I befriended Kim and we're still friends. And I literally, we met for Taco Tuesday and I had her take her teeth out. And it was, it was the beginning of this initiation for her to start embracing herself and start feeling freer. And I watched her blossom over the years in a way that, because it, it's your confidence that you're dealing with. And then it's invited fun things. Like, because I had to take my teeth out every time I ate, like you couldn't eat with your filler, the thing in. So any restaurant I was at, any bars at, and so then I just started meeting, like someone would come to me like, I got it too. Like it, it was just this weird coffee table book that I had that I could just meet people, you know? And I'm like, oh, cool. We're in this like fun club, you know? And, and again, it was all like, I think the reality is none of us ever asked for it. It wasn't like we were like, let's lose our teeth. So just like anything in life, you gotta decide how you're, you, I always say you can't control what happens to you. You control how you respond to it. Like I didn't ask to lose my teeth. I'm not going to let it get the best of me. You know, what was crazy was this year when I had to have them replaced, I had, I went into the dentist having no idea I had a gum infection and they were going to be needing replaced. I just thought my gums were bleeding and like, we were going to clean them really well. So when she was like, no, these things have to come out and we're, we're going to make you new ones. I was like, I had two feelings come over me. Wait, you're kidding me. Right. And then I was like, oh my God, I get to relive not having teeth. Like I got excited about it. That's so what, that's, what's messed up with me. Right. When I first got my teeth, you know, when you put like, you have a pair of jeans on, you put a pair of boots on and the boots are like tight. So you're like trying to get your boots off and it kind of feels like claustrophobic. You're like, just get off or like a tight pair of jeans. You're like, just get off. And then they're off and you're like, oh yeah, finally I can like breathe. When I first got my teeth, I wanted to rip them out because I was so used to not having teeth there that the, the nerve in the gum and having the pressure, like I was like, I just want them out. It felt better. Not I'm, I'm only assuming it's what someone with a prosthetic would, would be experiencing as well. Like it took time to get used to it. Here I was having to go through it again. And I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to feel my gums. And here we were now living in the time of masks. So this time it was crazy because I didn't have a smile flipper, but if I wanted to, I could hide behind the mask. 
And I was like, do I hide? I wear my mask when I have to. I live in Florida. Okay. It's a whole different ball game down here. And I'm outside all the time and whatever. So if I'm by myself, like I'm not going to have a mask on. If I'm outside of the park, I'm not going to have a mask on, but I wear it when it's required of me. I was like, I'm not going to start wearing it just because I don't have teeth. So then I got to experience of, I have this choice to hide or not. And I was choosing not to hide again. And it was, I felt proud of myself. Like I was like, yeah, I'm just going to rock out with my teeth out. And I met a whole new layer of friends. But I, even for me, I was like, it was a whole, I don't know. I just had way too much fun with it again. But there wasn't trauma behind it this time. It was just fun. What would you tell someone who doesn't like their smile? Hmm, it's so hard because a lot of people reach out to me with that. So I used to not like my smile. And I thought people were going to make fun of my smile. But the more I started realizing that I was put on this earth in my body with the gifts that I received to live the life I meant to live. I had to look at my smile as not a punishment and not something that was happening because I did anything wrong. And the way that I could love myself was to love my smile because everybody has something about themselves. It doesn't have to be the smile that they're probably really hard on themselves for, or it's something they don't like. They don't like their hair. They don't like their figure. They don't like their voice. They don't like the shape of their ears. They don't like the, their toes. They, there's things that you're, we're always going to be really critical of ourselves, but it doesn't mean anyone else is being critical of us. It's just the story we create because we think there's something wrong with us. So when someone doesn't love their smile, if they can just, and I, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, you know, like it is hard, but no one's deformed. There's no such thing as a perfect smile. Society makes us think we have a perfect, there's such thing. That's why the dentist said it would actually benefit me to get these fixed because of just the way I talk and chew that it can actually over time push out the implants a little because it hits it a little. Then they're like, you grind your teeth, you know, Invisalign might not be a bad thing for you. But then I struggle. I'm like, do I want perfect teeth? Because there's no such thing as perfect. And especially in the United States, we have more emphasis on perfection and people sharing pictures. And we look at all these pictures of people and we think we need to be like them. But guess what? In other countries, people don't often have perfect teeth. In fact, you'll go to another country and your teeth will be the same as people because no one's spending all this money to try and fit into a world that, that, that this, this false idea of perfection. Does that make sense? I have a question. Yes. Do you still ride your bike? Oh my gosh, yes. Of course, because it wasn't the bike's fault. And I know how to ride a bike. It was a freak accident. And I want you to know that accidents happen. And that's why we call them accidents. I believe that I was, it's one thing if you were being crazy on your bike and something happened, but I didn't plan on it happening. And I wasn't going to give up something that I loved to be scared that it would happen again. So I'm really grateful that I didn't have that fear. I mean, I waited a little bit, don't get me wrong. Because at first when it happened, I just had a fear of hitting, my face was so banged up. I just had a fear of walking down the stairs when it first happened. Like I was just scared. What if I hurt myself again? But I would never got scared of my bike. And then eventually my fear went away. Do you ride a bike? Yeah, I just learned that camp actually this year. Congrats. And then, you know, you always have the choice to wear a helmet too. 
Yeah, I do. Okay, good. I didn't have a helmet on, even though they, the doctor said a helmet wouldn't have helped me because I only hit here. I never hit my head at all, but helmets are good. So make sure you wear your helmet. I love, thank you for coming on and asking questions. Well, that's fun that you're riding a bike now. How can Celia get one of your cool shirts? So I have a website that's smiles first wins. There's also whoever smiles first wins. They both go to the same place and you can go to smiles first wins. And I have these shirts. I have a t-shirt. I even have a tank top and I even have a baby onesie for your size. They're more like t-shirts. I can see if I can make a special one for you. If there's something else you want, I would have to see if they come in kids tank tops. I have all these visions. Like I'd like to make one in Spanish that says whoever smiles first wins. I'd like to just may offer them in different colors. Like I want it to be more, me more universal, but this is where I am right now. My goal is to really take this as a movement. And I think that the world we live in right now, there's so much to divide us. And the one thing that can really connect us all is we all have a smile. Not only that, but I think that because of the division we've been in, sometimes we question, I wonder if that person's friendly to go talk to or not. And I have a good feeling you're only going to wear a shirt like this if you're friendly. So I want to encourage people also to wear this just so they can show the world that they're here to smile. And what's cool about this is, you know, there's shirts out there that say, be kind, and love life, which are all wonderful, but you don't get to see somebody being kind in the moment. You just kind of assume they live a kind life. This, if I saw you wearing it, I'd have to come up to you and go, I win. And usually in that moment, both people are winners and there's eye contact involved too. So you're actually creating connection with somebody in that moment. So the fun, funny part is sometimes I'm wearing my shirt and I forget I'm wearing it. Like I just forget. And someone will run up to me and be like, ah, you're not smiling. I win. I was like, whoa, oh yeah. Oh wow. I totally forgot I was wearing the shirt. <laughs> so you have to be careful because people will come and smile at you. She's so cute. Thank you. I really feel like you helped her. She was scared and had mentioned that to me. So I feel like this is like a godsend having this right before. Well, not only that, but like the fact that you and I, put this time and date on the calendar when we did, like it couldn't be more perfect for me because I am rebuilding myself in a lot of ways and needing to remind myself the power of my stories and that the power of sharing them and how I'm here to serve through them because I've gone through a lot this year of just a lot of ups and downs and have been not shining my light as much. I've been dimming my light a bit. So today's a new moon, which means the start of just new, there's a lot of, there's a lot of shifting in energy right now. And it's all about stepping into your authentic self. And so I want to thank you because the timing of this right now is like very serendipitous for me. I'm so glad. Actually, when I was reading your story, I was like, oh my God, we're recording in October and your accident happened in October. Oh yes. Right before Halloween, which it is right before Halloween right now. Yeah. It was eight years ago this month. Isn't that crazy? October 13th. When I, and I really was like lying there. I mean, that's not a lie. I really was lying there with like a neck brace on, on a bed, on a pan because I like I could they didn't let me leave the bed for like nine hours or so and all I was doing was what should I be for Halloween 
what am I going to do with this? Like, and I, that was like one of the first thoughts. And it was one of my, one of my friends first said, you could go as all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. And I was like, oh my God, that is brilliant. And I went to, that I went actually to, is, oh yeah. my God. Or you could have been like a really good horror. Anything, but victim. that's not me. Like it's so me. I'm like the fun little the kid. comedian. Yeah. So I went to, it was ARC. It was the local thrift store. I like found this Christmas onesie. I mean, it was my size and I found a Christmas onesie and I was like, I'm just going to tie a piece of paper around my name. Like all I want. But the first Halloween party I went to that night at first, people didn't realize it was real. And I realized people didn't realize it was real. They were like, damn, that looks good. And I was like, it's real, you know? And I was like this, and it, it was a shock value still to people. And people were like, wow, way to own it. And like I said, I ate Reese's cups more than anything because I couldn't bite. I mean, your eating was completely, you, you can't use a fork when you have no front teeth. You don't realize how much you actually bite into things. Yeah. Was there like an evolution of like being well, able to eat I've food? always joked that I could write a book called, is this worth taking my teeth out for? Like woman's guide to being aware of every single solitary thing she put in her mouth. <laughs> I, I couldn't kiss with them in. They weren't meant to be anything but cosmetic. They were meant, they didn't fit into my gums. They just filled a space. They weren't meant to put any pressure onto anything. So there was nothing actually, I mean, I could, but they were thick. It was a thick piece of plastic, like a retainer. So you wouldn't want to eat with it anyways, because then you, it changed your taste buds. Like if I was drinking wine or coffee, even like it would taste different because it was plastic on the roof of my mouth, you know, like, a, like, and you think about as a kid, if you ever had a retainer, like you took it out for everything. You didn't eat with it in, you know? Now can you eat anything? Oh yeah. I mean, these aren't, these aren't going anywhere. But when I was going through this process over March and April of getting them redone, it actually took two months. So I just couldn't eat. You couldn't really bite into bread or eat apples. I mean, you have to be mindful. But when I didn't have teeth at all for those eight months, yeah, like I just sliced everything. Like you couldn't like eat a bagel, you know? And like, I couldn't bite into my pizza. I was in this writing group for eight weeks and I wasn't writing about anything in regards to my teeth. And on the last, it was like the last week of our class, we all went out for some beers and whatever. And that was the first time ever I, I took my teeth out. And they were like, oh my God, what the heck? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess I'd never taken them out in class. So for two months they knew me and they were shocked to know like that was my party trick because I just never done it before. Cause it's so interesting. You know, this is only one of my stories. I was diagnosed with MS when I was 19. And I've self-healed from that as well. And both of my best friends died in the same year and I buried them next to each other. Like I've had so many crazy stories that I've, these chaotic stories that I have um, grown through that I feel like I'm here to serve with. And so I've always been like, well, I can't alienate the MS people. Like I got to make a group for everybody. <laughs> like, how does this work? Um, so I'm, I am going to start my own podcast. That's, on my, that's my plan. And the vision is to call it Connect with Carlin. And then when I share the specific story that week, invite people into this group that can relate to that story who want to share and then invite them to share it with, or invite all the, any listener to share this particular episode with the right person that needs to hear it. And then just start inviting people in because somehow I have this vision of like everybody getting like this being the official shirt. It'd be like, it's going to be like connect with Carlin and the strangers to friends community because strangers to friends which is the community I have here, which is another story of mine that has nothing to do with the teeth or anything, but it does, is that, is that remembrance that we all are strangers. 
you know, and when we become, when these synchronicity moments happen, where there's this common denominator you could never have imagined, that's the connection people are craving. It's not activity partners. It's, I mean, sure, we all want an activity partner, but you want to be seen. You want to be heard. You want to be understood. And I think that really only happens in the space of vulnerability when we're sharing our true selves. And when, if I can invite somebody to share their true self, that's how I can help people heal. And that's how the world heals. You know, the existing strangers to friends community I have on Facebook right now, unfortunately, doesn't really mirror my intentions anymore. I used to have a meetup in Denver with about 4,000 people in it. And I facilitated monthly events called the Stranger to Friend Experiences. And I invited strangers to come together. And I led with the, and I, I did them at breweries all around town. And I led with usually an open-ended, the same open-ended question, which was what's something unique about you? We wouldn't know unless you told us. I love it. How did that begin? It began because I hit publish on MeTube and there was a lot of anxiety behind that. But it began with this, losing my teeth and sharing my story reminded me the power of my story. And Strangers to Friends was the way I'd been living. I mean, we could talk for hours on this. I can tell a whole other story on Strangers to Friends. But Strangers to Friends started with a connection card that I made for myself in 2011. In this lead with you, not what do you do? I'd lost my job. I didn't have a card. The economy had crashed, like the whole nine yards. And it forced me to say like, who am I? What do I, who am I if I'm not this? And I heard a download and it said, you turn strangers into friends. That's what you do. And I looked back at myself and I was like, that is what I do. I volunteer here. I've voted into most friendly. I'm friends with everybody. I don't judge people. Like I talk to strangers. I just never thought of calling myself that. And that was the door that, and I put a URL on my card to donate to my MS walk. I didn't have a website and that URL, I just started meeting all these people that had an MS story. And I was like, where are these people coming from? I don't normally meet people with MS. And it just became this major thing that grew like this from my awareness that I couldn't keep the awareness to myself. And I realized what I was doing was creating synchronicity and synchronicity are these moments where it seems like it's coincidence, but it was never coincidence. It was when I showed up for myself, I invited other people to show up or when these people showed up for themselves and invited me to mirror and show up for them. And the, this concept of these stranger to friend experiences was me trying to, what it is, is there's all these moments in our life where we're in between our stories. It's like, but I'm starting over with a new smile. I'm start, I'm accepting myself in the starting over space. And this is a space as adults that we're in like a cocoon, like a quicksand. And we're, we're kind of reevaluating our identity. Like who actually am I? And that was, that's been my journey numerous times. Who am I with with MS now? Who am I without my best friends? Who am I moving to a new city? Who am I losing my job? Who am I without my teeth? And I've gone through all these things where I've reinvented myself through what I've experienced that I just wanted to show up and show people who wants to be seen and heard and come. And if nothing else, if you just find yourself lonely and you want friends, like know that you're coming to a place where everybody's actually showing up because they want real connection. And I did it for two and a half years. That's amazing. Once they showed up though, then what was the experience? Oh, it was fascinating because when I led with this question in this like psychiatrist therapist way, got to see how they responded to the question. Now there were some people that were like, they were coming from joy. They were excited to meet people. They were new to town. There wasn't anything heavy. They were just like, where can I go meet people? Oh my God, the stranger to friend thing sounds great. And so when I say, well, what's something unique to share about you? They were like, oh my God, what could I share? Like there's this, there's this, there's this. And sometimes I had to bring people down and go, whoa, 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 it's not a contest. 
I know you climbed Kilimanjaro, but what we're trying to do here is invite conversation. So maybe share something that you enjoy talking about that you can invite somebody in to talk about because I would have everybody wear a name tag and I made people wear name tags because we remember people's names. Very, some people are auditory, some people are visual. And one of the things that causes a roadblock is if you meet somebody and you forget their name and you're like, shoot, I don't wanna go ask them their name yet. That happens all the time. People don't remember people's names like all the freaking time. There shouldn't be shame around that. So I'm sorry if you feel like you're five years old, you are wearing a name tag at my events. And first name only, I don't care about your last name. It's enough to remember your first name. There, I mean, I had a woman once show up who cried just when she got there because she'd been receiving the meetup invites for a year and she was finally brave enough to come. And she showed up and I was like, okay, well, it's something unique about you. And she just sat there like, well, gosh, I, I don't even know like, what would I, and then you see the people that don't really know what to share and they're feeling insecure around it. So then it was my job to go, you know, it's great. I know nothing about you, like literally nothing. Anything you say is unique about you. Is there a book that you just read? Because it's beautiful. I just want to pause. That is such a nice thing to say. Yeah. That really gave me the chills right there. It's, I think so many people like don't feel like there's anything special about them or, the, or they have a hard time, like finding their differentiating factor or trying to be different, trying to be different. Right. Fine. Like the fact that, you know, nothing about them and anything they say is right. Is I know. A beautiful I thing. Yeah. And so I would say to somebody, something as simple as like, what's something you just enjoy doing? Is that something you'd want to talk about? Would you want to meet other people that enjoy doing it? Oh, you like going for walks and you don't find that unique about you? Well, maybe there's somebody here that likes going for walks and you can share where you like walking. I don't know. Okay. I have a fun fact. As, these, as I've always had these stories in my life, I didn't know what to call them other than weird. I'd be like, oh my God, this is so weird. And my friends would be like, dude, that's so weird that you met that person. I'm like, I know, like the universe looked down on me and was like, she's ready to play and just sending me people and these crazy, so weird. But it was only like two months ago. I, and I always tell people, you got to stop calling it weird. It just is. Got to stop calling it weird. It just is. And then I was sitting thinking about it. I'm like, sometimes we use the word weird and sometimes we use the word strange. I wonder what the difference is between the words. And I decided to look up the word weird and see what the definition was. I never had before. And it traces, when you look up definitions, it traces it back to the root, like Latin word or wherever the word comes from. Do you know that the word weird comes from the word fate? So I all didn't these, know that. That's interesting. Isn't it? So all these stories I've been calling weird, they were actually just fate. Part of your fate right? But weird, you say it in a positive way. You're like, oh my God, that's so weird. But what you're saying is, I just really can't believe that happened. That is crazy. To me, weird is synchronicity, but it's not weird. And so I call myself a synchronicity stimulator because the formula to synchronicity is very simple. It's vulnerability. Often it's this formula I have where you're vulnerable, you're authentic, and you get synchronicity. So vulnerability starts with yourself. Like I've got to accept my teeth. I've got to look at myself in the mirror and be real with myself. The next piece of vulnerability is going, and now I'm going to put myself out there. And then when you put yourself out there, it's, and I'm going to be authentic. I'm not going to put myself out there and be victimized. I'm going to put myself out there. I mean, you could, I guess, but why? I'm going to put myself out there and be authentic and real and share my pain or share my joy. It doesn't have to always be pain. 
And that is going to invite the sperm guy, with tw- that's the London version, to come and say, oh my God, that's me. So that's synchronicity because that guy was brave enough to share his story. And then hopefully they connected and their story swap, right? And then after synchronicity comes possibility. So it's like you and I, like I've already done the authenticity vulnerability part, but when asked, when given opportunities to put myself out, I still always have the question, oh, should I? Do I want to draw attention? Is this the right platform? Blah, 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 blah. But because I did, it drew you in. Now you had to go through your own vulnerability, authenticity part, and still it takes two to tango. So you had to go, I'm going to reach out to her and see if she'd like to be on my show. Some people could be like, oh, she probably wouldn't be on my show, or I'm not going to work. I'm not going to ask her fear of rejection. There's so many things that cause people, but that's not you. So you knew to initiate, which gave me the opportunity to say yes. And then the synchronicity comes. Oh, you have a podcast. I have a story. Okay. Synchronicity. Then the possibility comes. Well, the possibility is now the fact that it's October 6th, your daughter's about to have work done on her teeth and she's freaking out about it. And the fact that this is a special day for me and this week particular is a special week for me and starting over, we couldn't have planned that. So the synchronicity always equals possibility, but that's, this is the surrender space where you have to be open to the way it shows up and it takes two to tango. So the two people have to go on and it could just be like you met someone at a coffee shop and 10 years later, you're like, this is why we met. It doesn't have to be like this. Speaking of that, I have a crazy coffee shop synchronicity thing with my daughter and my daddy, actually. And I just ran into this woman for the fourth time unplanned on my last trip last like a week ago in Florida. Do you both live in Florida? No, but I visit there like in the winter to visit my grandmother and we go there like every year, but I hadn't been in 18 months, almost two years since COVID. Yeah. This is so crazy. So, you know, we have a favorite cafe that we like always go to. Where in Florida do you go? Hollandale Beach. We have this place that we always go to. And I took my dad and my daughter, maybe my son, I don't remember. And I had just had a miscarriage. And this woman is like commenting how cute my daughter is and likes her shoes and was like, you're going to have another one. And then my dad was like, oh, not really the best time to say that. Like, you know, she just had a miscarriage and whatever. She's not sure. And like, you know, kind of like let the stranger know, like, thank you for calling my granddaughter cute, but not really like the best thing to say right now. She was like, I've actually lost two children too. And she was like, you're going to have one. I'm blessing you with one. And she was like a very sweet woman, but you know, it was a little uncomfortable. I end up running into this same woman like seven, seven months later, same cafe, completely unplanned on another trip to Florida. I'm five months pregnant. Ah! She calls it too. She's like, you're five months pregnant. There, she started saying other stuff too, that I'm just like, how I'm like, are you like a medium? I'm like, are you a medium? Like, this is insane. Yeah, At that point, I, I take her number. I take her picture. I'm like, we need to keep in touch. This is insane. Then. Like another six, seven, eight months later, like we come to Florida, same cafe, completely unplanned. The baby's with us and we run into this woman. So she's seen me after the miscarriage, when I'm pregnant with the baby. And then two years later, this woman has not been to the cafe. We're only in Florida. We hadn't been in Florida in two years. We don't call her as me. And it was just me and Celia. Celia's like, I think that's her. I'm like, this is freaking no way. The, the waitress that's- runs over to this woman and is like, oh my God, I haven't seen you in like two years. You know, listen, she's a regular at this place. We're a regular at this place, but four times. That is an amazing uh, 
I was like, I gotta have her on the show. Yeah. That's what I would call a stranger to friend experience because (laughs) that's synchronicity on steroids and it's divine guidance. And I think moments, I think connections like that are just massive hugs from the universe going, there's something greater. There's a bigger thing at play here. Like in these connections that you can't plan, I feel like it just reminds us how nothing makes sense, but everything makes sense. You know, look into her eyes. She has the most beautiful green eyes. Actually, my baby that I had is my one in four that has green eyes like that. There's just something about this woman. Like past life thing with her or something. Dude. Yeah. Yes. If you believe in that, like some sort of soul connection there. Yeah. I literally hugged this woman and it made my entire trip so crazy. That's what I'm here so when I would do these stranger to friend experiences, my ultimate goal is to show people you don't need a straight, you don't need me to host an event. What Ooh. I'm trying to teach you is this is how I live. Oh, I don't yes. create it all. I don't go to events. Every day I walk out of my house, I have an opportunity to create synchronicity with somebody if I want to, if I want to, if I want to take my blinders off, if I feel called to go speak to somebody you know, I'm not like it every day. Like sometimes I get on a flight and I already have my earbuds in because I don't want to talk to anybody, you know, like I'm not always on, but my whole point is people will always say to me, oh my God, you're so lucky. Or, oh my God, I can't believe that happened to you or whatever, whatever. And I'm like, it's only because I was showing up. Like I just posted that. Did you see the story I just posted on, on my Instagram about the guy that I met? Like I met him at the coffee. He helps people write their books is Eli, the book guy. And I met him I met him in April. I was at the coffee shop with someone that was hurting my feelings to a degree. And so I was like, I got to go outside and get some air. And because I went inside, outside and got some air, he had overheard me talking about PR and marketing and books. And so he came outside and introduced himself. And I was like, so that had to happen for this to happen. Right. And then we swapped information and we texted a few times, but nothing substantial came from it but but we both used the word synchronicity like we felt it so we were both already speaking that so then like a month ago I go to the same coffee shop and but my hair was straight I'd straightened my hair that day and I hadn't seen him in a while and so we're in the coffee shop and we literally are just like looking at each other for a minute like neither one of us could place it and then we were like oh my god it's you and we were like oh my god so good to see you and like we we both saw each other's numbers in our phones you know And so we started talking about like these books he was working on and I'm in, I've been kind of back and forth of what my book should be about exactly. I've had all these ideas. And so we then where he's like, Carlin, we really need to like, cause this was like an impromptu thing. Like there were other friends at the coffee shop. It wasn't like he and I like this. Right. And so he and I just exchanged a text and I let him know. I was like, oh, I'm actually going through a lot right now. I'm kind of going navigating. It's not really a breakup, but you know, letting go of somebody. And he's like, so he's like, I'm in a similar spot. So we just had this like trust in each other. And then he sent me this um, Liz Gilbert, like about creativity video. And I was like, oh my God, like this guy gets me. And so we scheduled a time to meet and we met two days ago at the coffee shop. And he really helped me like get my ideas out. And we've discussed some trade work we're going to do that I'm going to help him with. And he's going to help me with. And it was all, it's all like, we just, we met, we bumped into each other. And it wasn't like at that moment, the timing was right to connect and do this. The timing right now, just like you and I talking, this was the week for me to sit down and talk to him. I wasn't even ready back then. Amazing. I love it. It's just one of the, it's another example of 
when it comes to you and this woman, like you had to be open to not judging her for what she said. I mean, I have, a, I have so many strangers. I have so many stories of, it's really crazy that this person and I are friends, like how we met, why we met, the circumstances of how we bumped into each other again. Like, me too. Who knew my teeth would lead me to helping other people with their teeth? And like, there's something, there's a silver lining to it, right? It's like, why do you go hear an inspirational speaker? It's only because you've never been through what they're going through and you don't believe you'd respond to it the same way. It's kind of what I look at. Like, this is an amazing story somebody had, but reality is maybe you'd respond the same way. You just never had that happen to you before. You don't know how you'd respond. I also think you have a lot of bragging rights. The fact that you've been retweeted by Brene Brown, the fact that you've been on, Ander- didn't you get Anderson Cooper? Yeah, attention? I was on, well, my, um, so Anderson Cooper for one year had a daytime talk show. It, it only lasted one season, but one of my, best friends from high school, one of my good guy friends who had gone from working for Tyra Banks to Dr. Phil to Anderson Cooper. And our whole friendship, he was like, one day I'm going to get you on a show. I want to, I want the world to hear your story. And so I got the phone call like, Hey, can I get you on a plane in two days and bring you up to New York and plant you in the audience and have Anderson interview you? And I was like, uh, yeah. And what the best part was the interview happened I mean, again, this is a crazy story, but I left San Diego after seven years and I moved myself to Wilmington, North Carolina on a 15 city, six week cross country road trip and visited with my strangers to friends and friends along the way, very intentionally with a stack of strangers to friends cards, knowing I was about to go reinvent myself. I was the poster child for MS in San Diego. I did all the interviews. I was a speaker. I had a big walk group. I mean, I was, I did it all. But January, 2010, I ran my first half marathon, March, 2010, I let go of my MS medication. I'd been on it for two and a half years. There's a whole story behind that. There's a blog. I wrote about that too. I have love life tattooed on the back of my neck. And that plays a role in my, in my story with letting go of my MS meds and and running became my medicine. But anyway, so when I consciously was going to Wilmington, I was like, I don't think I have MS. Why do I have to bring it with me? So I left it. I decided not to bring the label with me. I was like, I don't have it. I'm not taking meds. I don't have any symptoms. Like, why would I enter? Why would I say I have it? I don't, I don't think I have it. I just decided I didn't have it. Wow. And November, 2011 was when Anderson happened. So I had some friends, I mean, some of my friends knew it wasn't like, I was like that, like my roommate, I, but it wasn't anything. I, I wasn't like a poster child. It wasn't like I broadcasted it. And one of the reasons I was so happy to move to Wilmington is they didn't have an MS society. There was nothing for me, I, there was one in Raleigh and, and my dad was, my mom was in Charleston. And so there were things I would still get involved in, but it wasn't for me. It was for actually my parents and what they were doing. It actually was me supporting them at this point. So my friends in Wilmington were like, wait, you're on Anderson Cooper because you have MS. Like we didn't even know you had it. And I go, I know, isn't that the point? But crazy synchronicity. You want to hear the craziest synchronicity story of them all? Yeah. I, I was a ner- travel nurse recruiter for almost eight years. So as a travel nurse recruiter, my job was to harass nurses until they picked up the phone. No, I'm just kidding. I, I said I was here to change their life so they could save a life. And I was basically a life coach for nurses because I worked with them for 12 weeks. I would give them the power and the courage and all these things to like leave this job. I had their housing and I did everything for the nurses. It was, it was amazing. I loved my role as a recruiter until I didn't love it. There were a lot of nurses that would get hit up by like recruiters from all over. And so they just never answered the phone. The problem is, their numbers go nowhere. Like my job was to call you. There's a, there might be a chance, like Jim Carrey says, you know, like 
but you haven't told me no. So there might be a chance to answer. So I'm on the show. Yeah. I get a message on Facebook from this gal named Suzanne and I recognize the name. She and I had never connected, but she knew my voice and she knew my name because I'd been leaving her messages on her answering machine or her voicemail for like a year, two years. Like, hi, it's Carlin. You got to call me back. Well, she heard me on the show and she had just been diagnosed with MS. No. Oh my God. And she reached out to me. What a connection. I got chills again. Yeah, me too. Can't make that shit up. That's from above. Yeah. So they interviewed me for a while and then the producers cut it down. There's a t- moment in there when Anderson says, if you could tell somebody newly, if you could tell anything right now to someone newly diagnosed, what would you say? And the first words out of my mouth were cut out because the first words out of my mouth were, I would start by saying, be kind to yourself. That's not the answer. Like self-love. That's not what we're preaching. I mean, we are preaching, but we're not. And this was 2011, but you can see in the video, you don't see my mouth move. It's like my hair. It's, it's interesting. Like I saw the producers change what I was saying in a way. And Welcome I was like, to TV. right. And I was like, it's not that they made my response bad. It just wasn't exactly what I said. Yeah. Because my journey of self-healing was, I was so toxic inside. By the time I was 19, I, I mean, when I was eight years old, I started having body image issues and I had an eating disorder that I developed in high school and I was just so toxic and like hated myself at times, like literally hated myself. And I would look in the mirror and like curse God, you know, like who the, it's awful. The things we say to ourselves. I've been through that too. Yeah. Well, I think our bodies are going to start feeling so rejected that they start rejecting us and it's going to show up differently for everybody. But autoimmune means auto. It means it's coming from something inside and you can't catch it, you know? And I think when your immune system drops to a certain degree or it's your nervous system is just, you're in this fight or flight and you're just all, it's all the stuff. Like, of course you get sick. It's a, but it's a wake up call, but then it's hard because you don't want people to like, I'm not trying to say like you did this to yourself, but when I said like, be kind to yourself, I was on the other side of so much when Anderson brought me on Wow. because now I was a runner. I wasn't taking my meds. I was being brought on as the runner, not the girl with MS. There was like, I was the girl that was the runner and I never, my, I didn't run my first half till I was 31. Like I never thought of my, I ran my first half 12 years after my MS diagnosis. I never thought of myself as someone that would become someone that was a runner. I didn't even think I'd be a runner without the MS, let alone with the MS, you know? How important is it to daily be kind to yourself? I still battle with it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's imperative because that's our vibration and our vibration is going to attract into our lives you know, and I'm, this year has been hard for me. This year has been hard for a lot of people and our vibration lowers and we're hard on ourselves. And that's all, that's what I'm coming out of. That's why I like being here with you right now is so perfect because it was already predestined for me to speak to you this week. It's like, I have, I'm on time. There's something very divine happening. I was meant to go through these last few months, the way I was the guy that I've been journeying with and the, in navigating a relationship with, like everything shifted about two weeks ago in a good way for us both in a healthy way. But that, that must've had, that must be on time. I can't beat myself up for staying in the dynamics too long. 
because I wouldn't be experiencing the emotions I'm feeling right now for this to be as significant as it is. Like it's all connected and we just have to give ourselves grace. I read a quote today that said, you know, we have to remember that everything is happening for us and not to us. That's what I brand. That's on my about me section on my website. That's what it says. Wayne Dyer is credited for saying it first. Yep. But I'll be honest, I didn't know he said it. I started saying it and then learned somebody else had already said it. <laughs> so that it feels like God to me. Like actually yeah. what you were saying, like I, I've been questioning even my relationship with God lately, but conversations like this make me feel God's presence. That to me is what the whole point of synchronicity and sharing these stories and strangers to friends, it just shows you it's not accident and everybody deserves there's, we're just, we all deserve these experiences of just getting to be our real self for us to show up in this conversation. It is God because we're both showing up as ourselves and who we're supposed to be. And this is God living through us as our, I am right. Yeah. I love that. That's really good. I'm going to have to transcribe this because I don't even, we, I feel like there's been like, I've said things that I'm like, really? I said that. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have to definitely stay in touch. All right. Have a beautiful night. We'll talk again. Bye. Bye. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. A very interesting meeting with Rena and Carolyn. It really touches on a couple of subjects. The one that I found to be quite interesting, where it keeps me a little bit more open-minded to girls that need to have an abortion. Very difficult when you're, again, having sexual relations for pleasure only. And uh, you find out this is not really the man you want to be with. You have all kinds of issues where a person's in a tough spot and something like this happens and you know that the relationship is going to break off. It's very easy to want to be able to get a fresh start in your life and not necessarily go down a path where you're putting in to this world a child that is possibly unwanted by the father and the mother. Plus, there are other options where sometimes people will then send a child off for adoption. As you know, it's very, very difficult for a child not to be affected by the example and the encouragement of the parents and the legacy of the family. So it's a a very, very profound question of what is the right thing to do when it comes to a woman's right to want to go on with their lives and not necessarily have an unwanted child. What was very interesting is that she's in a tough spot with a broken foot. She's in a a position where she's dependent on someone, where she's out of work. She's in relations where the physicality of it is nice, but uh, there is no really mental stability in the relationship. And uh, knowing that this is not going to be a lasting relationship and just having to figure out a way out the fact is, is that uh, she even said it herself, she's walking around numb, uh, feeling without the confidence to really make a move where she feels like she's just stuck. And people in tough situations, I've heard that language before, where they're just numb and are frozen and can't make a move. It could be uh, like a tidal wave coming right at you and uh, you can't get out of the way because you're just frozen and don't know what to do. Uh, she's riding her bike bus up and lose is going to lose her two front teeth. And uh, it was quite a wake up call because the only thing that she felt 
really good about herself was her smile and her teeth. What predicated from her experiences now is that she's been able to come up with a group where people are lost or they have something to say, whether they have issues or problems, she certainly has experienced that. But she lets people get together where they can talk things out, whether family, meeting strangers or friends, wanting to make uh, friends. I think that that is really a, a wonderful movement that she has going on. But in order for that to work, what does she say? Something that I've told you about your own show. If it's not authentic, if it isn't real, where people can come out and give you their true feelings, tell you not what you want to hear, but to tell you what's really on their mind and how they come up with that concept, that's what you call brainstorming. That's what you call really where people can get together and, and share ideas, can do it in business, can do it with family, family relations, can do it with really any kind of communication with any country or with any kind of people. It's to really hear people's thoughts where it comes from the heart. I wish there was more of it in this world. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 